0: Hi, my name is Clayton and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how he calls us today. Each week we will journey through scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly his call is for our lives today. Welcome to week 53, a Bible study week where we examine scripture and its application to our lives. On Sunday, May 13th, 1917, Lucia dos Santos and her two cousins went out to a field outside their small village, and began tending to their sheep, eating lunch, and playing. While they were enjoying their time, all of a sudden they were blinded by a flash of lightning. They immediately began packing up their stuff to run back home, since they suspected a storm was coming. But as they turned to go home, a lady in bright white stood there in front of them. She radiated light all around her, and the crucifix she held in her hand was even brighter. The lady looked at them and told them, Do not be afraid. Lucia, who was only ten, said, Where are you from? The lady looked back at her and said, I'm from heaven. Lucia then asked what the lady wanted. The lady told them that she wanted them to come back to this exact spot for the next six months on the 13th of each month. Throughout the next several months, this lady told and showed the children various things. For example, in June, she told them that Jesus wanted the world to make special devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In July, she gave the children a vision of hell. She also told the children that Lucia's two cousins would die soon, and indeed, they both did die within three years. As time went on, she gave the children three prophecies. First, she told them that the Great War, or World War I, would soon come to an end. And would tragically be followed by an even deadlier war. Second, she warned that the Communists would erupt in Russia and would cause a great persecution of the Church. The third secret, however, has been hotly debated by scholars throughout the centuries, or rather the decades. Because the secret was locked away for decades, some have said that it contained a prophecy of a third world war or a revelation of the end of times. Yet officially, The Catholic Church has said that the third secret was the assassination, or attempted assassination, of a Pope. However, this lady in white was not done yet. She told the children that they needed to tell everyone they could to come to this spot and expect a miracle. On October 13, 1917, 70,000 people came to Fatima. It had been raining, and as the day went on, everyone started to get angry and antsy. Many in this crowd came as skeptics to disprove that anything serious was going on. Eventually, the children became fixated on something upwards, above them. The lady who had been appearing to them finally revealed her identity and said, I am the Lady of the Rosary. Eventually, she went on to open her hands, and according to Lucia, the lady made them reflect on the sun as she ascended the reflection of her light continued to be projected on the sun itself. The children then began telling everyone to look at the sun. Lucia later explained that she and her two cousins watched as the Virgin Mary vanished into the sky to reveal Joseph, a young Jesus, and Mary all standing together. Together, they did the sign of the cross to bless the world. The rest of the crowd, however, saw the sun do things that defy explanation. Even the skeptics and secular groups that went to Fatima said they witnessed something they couldn't explain. One such individual was dr Jose Garrett. dr Garrett was a professor at the oldest college in Portugal, and arrived at Fatima as a sceptic. About the event he wrote, quote, "I could see the sun, like a very clear disk, with its sharp edge, which gleamed without hurting the sight." It could not be confused with the sun seen through a fog (there was no fog at that moment), for it was neither veiled nor dim. The most astonishing thing was to be able to stare at the solar disk for a long time, brilliant with light and heat, without hurting the eyes or damaging the retina. The sun's disk did not remain immobile. It had a giddy motion, not like the twinkling of a star in all its brilliance, for it spun round upon itself in a mad whirl. During the solar phenomenon, which I had just described, there were also changes of color in the atmosphere. Looking at the sun, I noticed that everything was becoming darkened. I looked first at the nearest... "'object, and then extended my glance further afield as far as the horizon. "'I saw everything had assumed an amethyst color. "'Objects around me, the sky and the atmosphere, were of the same color. "'Then suddenly one heard a clamor, a cry of anguish breaking from all the people. "'The sun, whirling wildly, seemed all at once to loosen itself from the firmament, "'and blood-red, advanced threateningly upon the earth "'as if to crush us with its huge and fiery weight.' The sensation during these moments were truly terrible. The professor, sensing the skepticism that he would eventually encounter over the event, would go on to add all the phenomenon which I have described were observed by me in a calm and serene state of mind without any emotional disturbance. It is for others to interpret and explain them. Finally, I must declare that never before or after october thirteenth, nineteen seventeen, have I observed a similar astromeric. Or solar phenomenon. He wasn't the only one who had set out to disprove the event, only to leave with acknowledging that something had happened. A secularist, atheist, anti church newspaper sent their editor in chief to Fatima to mock the event. Yet even the editor in chief would say, quote, One could see the huge crowd turning towards the sun, which, standing at the zenith, obstructed by clouds, looked like a piece of opaque silver one could gaze at it without the least difficulty. It could have been an eclipse, but all of a sudden there was a great cry and the nearby spectators started shouting, A miracle! A miracle! Before the stupefied eyes of the people who anxiously peered into the skies with uncovered heads like the multitudes described in the Bible, the sun trembled and darted this way and that. Its brusque movements, which were truly astonishing to behold, defied every known law of astronomy. The sun danced, as the people typically put it. At that point, the witnesses began to ask one another what they had seen. The overwhelming majority claimed to have seen the sun tremble and dance. Others claimed to have seen the face of the Holy Virgin. Still, others swore that the sun had spun on its axis like a giant windmill, and that it had plummeted downwards as if to scorch the earth with its rays. A few said that they had seen it change several colors in succession. Everyone who had been in attendance said something definitely took place. So that seems almost undeniable since you had reliable, skeptical sources coming in and attesting to what they witnessed. But let's backtrack for one moment. What about the prophecies this lady brought to the kids? Well, it seems like they all came true. Yes, World War I would end in 1918, and by 1939, World War II would come around and the loss of civilian and military lives would be so much greater. Yes, eventually Russia would fall to the Bolshevik Communist Party and become the Soviet Union. The USSR, as it would be known, sought to exterminate church and all religions. And lastly, in 1981, Pope John Paul II was shot in Vatican Square, though he would survive. Well, if all of those witnesses saw something happen at Fatima, and all these events came true, then there has to be something legitimate to what happened here, right? I mean, if the Catholic Church rigorously investigates claims of marital apparitions and confirms the events at Fatima as one of the less than 12 confirmed and legitimate marinal apparitions in the 20th century, then it has to be legitimate, right? Well, maybe. Either way, what we need to take away is that this is something that the Catholic denomination believes happened. It is a topic that, while may not be essential, is worth discussing and examining in a biblical light. I first heard of this phenomenon back in 2021 when I read Dr. Paul Kingor's book, A Pope and a President, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the Extraordinary Untold Story of the 20th Century. Much of the research on this miracle at Fatima is taken from this book. Since then, I have wondered if this event or other marital apparitions have actually happened. So today, we will dive into the story of Fatima and examine it in a biblical lens. Before we do that, however... Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today with hearts that seek your wisdom, Lord. But more than that, we seek your mercy. We are wretched sinners, Father. And we know that the only person who can deliver us from this body of death is you. And Lord, we know that you justify us and you sanctify us and you lead us in your truth, Lord. And I pray, just as your son prayed, That you will sanctify us in your truth, Lord, because your your word is truth, Lord. And I just pray that you will grant us wisdom. You will let us not be deceived by false teachers or false visions or anything else, Lord. But let us turn to live solely on your word, solely on your son, Lord. Let us remember that our sins are forgiven. But don't let us go and live however we want, Father. But lead us with hearts that desire you. And should we fall into temptation, Lord, I pray that you will remind us that you are there, that you have not given up on us yet, and let us with renewed vigor come back to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so where should we start? This is an interesting topic, and there's so many places where we could begin. However, this is a Bible study week, and not an apologetics week even though in some ways this will be like an apologetics week in the way that we tackle a subject. However, the emphasis today will be on the biblical interpretation of this event. We will, of course, look at other evidence there is beyond the Bible to prove or disprove this event, but the primary focus will be on the biblical evidence. So let's start with an examination of miracles according to the Bible. First, let's turn our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1-5. through 5. As usual, we will be reading from the ESV or English Standard Version. So once again, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dream arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So, you shall purge the evil from your midst. So, according to scripture in Deuteronomy, we see how to test a prophet or someone who has visions. We see that if they do signs and wonders and tell things of all to come to pass and yet lead in a way that is contrary to scripture, then we should not listen to them. We should purge them from our midst. What we come to understand through these verses is that there are certain things we have to know about miracles, they have to come from God. They cannot be contrary to God, and some miracles can be genuine. So far, that gives us a good basis to go on. Well, with all that in mind, I think we should look at what the Virgin Mary told the the children back in Fatima. She told them, according to the official Fatima website, quote, that many souls would be saved from hell and the annihilation of nations, averted if in time devotion to her immaculate heart were established principally, by these two means, first, the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by the Pope together with the world's bishops in a solemn public ceremony, and second, the practice or receiving Holy Communion and other specific devotions of about half an hour in duration, in reparation for the sins committed against the Blessed Virgin Mary on the first Saturdays of five consecutive months, a practice known to Catholics as the first Saturday devotion, end quote. huh? Well, that's particularly telling. Let's see what that first line says again. Our Lady said that many souls would be saved from hell, and the annihilation of nations averted if, in time, devotion to her immaculate heart were established. Now, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is: Is this biblical? And if so, where in Scripture can this be found? Well, it doesn't look like you can really find anything about that in Scripture. Okay, well then, what about one who is saved? How is one saved from hell and annihilation? Well, that can be found. First, let's turn to the words of Christ Himself in John chapter fourteen, verse six. Jesus said to him, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Is this something that was continued? What did the apostles teach? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in two different places about this. First, Acts chapter 16 verse 31. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Additionally, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, Scripture tells us that if someone claims to have a vision or a prophecy and claims something different than what God has decreed, then we should not even listen to it. I think it is quite evident that the message presented at Fatima is contrary to what Scripture teaches. One is not saved from hell and being devoted to the heart of Mary. One is only saved from hell through the Lord Jesus. Scripture also reveals to us something important. It shows us time and time again that miracles usually have some specified form in which they take. For example, let's take the resurrection briefly. Jesus time and time again confirmed that the resurrection would happen. He tells us in Matthew 12:40, John chapter 2 verse 19, Mark chapter 10 verse 34, Mark chapter 8 verse 31, and more, that the Son of man, the Christ We'll die and be raised from the dead again. We see this even in the Old Testament as we examine Isaiah 53 and other chapters. It's a very specific miracle. What about the coming of Christ? Well, you see that foretold over and over again. Ultimately, we have to conclude that in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. What do the scriptures bear witness of? According to some translation, what do they testify about? Jesus, and Jesus alone. It is quite telling, however, that according to Stanley Jackie, a Catholic priest himself, writes in his book, God and the Son at Fatima, quote, only in November did Lucia state that according to the apparition, the Son was to be a part of the miracle. End quote. Jackie's book also seems to go against the Catholic narrative and claims that what happened here was a meteorological, meteorological event. Some have gone a step further, suggesting that something specific happened, such as a coronal mass ejection for the sun. Regardless, the point is the vaguer the prophecy, the vaguer the fulfillment. Aim small, miss small. Was a line used by Mel Gibson's character in the 2000 film The Patriot. What this line indicates is that if you aim for a tiny spot within a larger target, even if you miss, you'll still hit the target. And this logic applies here to the prophecies too. If you make a generalized, vague prophecy, then even if something happens, then you can still claim you were right because you hit your target, in a sense. However, if you are specific and focused, then while your chances of being wrong are very high... The fact is that if it actually happens, that lends some credibility to your prophecy. Either way, we see that so far the evidence in favor of Fatima being a legitimate biblical event is looking less and less likely. Next, we ask, well, what about the different people who saw something, right? They saw and experienced something. No one's denying that. We already noted that there's been some to try to explain this in other ways, such as a solar event, a meteorological event. Or even UFOs. But what if there was something far more sinister behind this event? What if this was something done by demons? Before we get to that, however, we have to recognize something. According to the historical accounts that we have, not everyone witnessed something that day. Beyond that, there are conflicting reports about what actually took place. The Vatican itself withheld formal endorsement for years. On top of that, this miracle was supposedly repeated throughout the mid-20th century. Why? Why would a miracle need to be repeated? Why would the Vatican wait so long to endorse Fatima if it was legitimate? And why would people see different things? Another Catholic priest, Karl Rahner, wrote extensively on Fatima in his work titled Visions and Prophecies. In it, he writes, This emphatic distinction among the various Madonnas becomes more understandable if one reads Francesca in Fatima y el Critica. If a priest hearing the confession of pilgrims at Fatima gives a certain number of Hail Marys for a penance, the penitent immediately asks, to which Blessed Virgin? The people, especially the children, wish to know exactly whom they should address. The Queen of the Rosary? The Immaculate Conception? Our Lady of Sorrows? Our Lady of Joys? Or the Assumption. They know all these from different statues. They do not know any statue of the mother of God without a particular name. Finally, we must mention the prayer in which Lucia learned from the angel. In this prayer, men are to offer God the Father not only the body and blood, but also the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is theologically impossible. Lucia's answer to the theological objection, according to Francesca, was that the angel must just not have studied any theology. This expression, body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, is found in the Portuguese and Spanish catechisms. Not quite a prayer, but as much as the answer to the question, what is the consecrated host? Even if one assumes that the sun miracle of Fatima to be a true miracle, it would not prove that the seers' revelation of the future have received the divine seal. The miracle occurs to confirm the vision, but it does not follow that every pronouncement of the visionary on the future is warranted, especially since this information about the future was only disclosed at a much later date. The books on Fatima published before that date know nothing about them, but how is it comprehensible that God should reveal certain matters to the whole world to a person in order that this person should keep them secret until after their fulfillment, End quote. This information is important for us to keep in mind as we continue forward. But I mentioned that there could be something far more sinister taking place at Fatima. We see that even the devil and the demons can do things that resemble miraculous events. Let's turn our attention to Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performed great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the sign that it is allowed to work in the presence of the first beast, it deceived those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak, and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Now, G.K. Beale explains far better than I could in his commentary on Revelation, titled The Book of Revelation. He writes, quote, This beast from the land has been variously identified as Satan, Antichrist, the Roman imperial priesthood, the Catholic Church, so the Reformers, and false teachers. This beast may well take many forms and may at times even be equated with the state, as well as false prophets in the church. That manifestation of the beastly false prophet occur in the church is also suggested by the Old Testament, where false prophecy almost always takes place within the covenant community. This is reinforced by Christ's prophecy that false prophets and messiahs would arise in the believing community itself. Jesus also likened false prophets to beasts and foretold that false prophets would come in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves. The image of a wolf in lamb's clothing suggests a traitor within the fold of the church. Therefore, the imagery and background suggest a deception within the covenant community itself. Whereas the first beast speaks loudly and defiantly against God, the second beast makes the first beast's claim sound plausible and persuasive. His activities are described by an ironic echo of the Acts of Moses, whose prophetic authority was validated by great signs. Even in Exodus chapter 7, verse 11, Pharaoh's magicians did the same signs with their secret arts. quote. We see that even the dark forces can do things that seem miraculous. This isn't just some crazy conspiracy theory either. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, Verses 14 and 15, Paul writes, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Something else to keep in mind here. The appearance of the holy family of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. If you recall, they appeared in their youth. Now, Jesus was a child, some accounts say baby, others say a young child. It depends. Carl Rayner once again, addresses this issue. Quote, According to the statements of Jacinta and Francisco, the Holy Family appeared high in the sky, grouped around the sun on the left side of the sun was St. Joseph, with the child Jesus, who presently took up a position under the sun, and Our Lady was on the right side. How, for instance, Would this objectivistic conception explain the appearance in visions of Jesus as a child? Since he is not a child anymore, how can he appear as such at this particular time and place before the visionary? How would one explain Our Lady, under various titles, as the Sorrowful Mother, the Queen of the Rosary, the Virgin of Camel, appearing in rapid succession while other visionaries simultaneously saw the Holy Family? Or the appearance of a celestial person, the Savior carrying his cross, the Mother of God weeping, in a situation and frame of mind that are inappropriate to that person now? How can one explain those visions which, conveying as vivid an impression of actuality as other visions, present past events as happening here and now, and that in a manner which contradicts the known historical facts, as well as other visions of the same event? While God can do anything... I do think Rayner has a point. If a vision is going to occur, wouldn't it make the most sense to be consistent throughout any visions that God chooses to reveal? Now, with all of this said, I want to make something clear. I know that I have Catholic listeners, and if you haven't turned me off yet by now, then I want to make something clear. I'm not attacking your faith. At this moment, I'm simply presenting the facts as if I have found them according to Scripture and history. Going into this, I had my own presuppositions. If I'm honest with you all listening, then I have to admit that after reading Dr. Kingor's A Pope and a President, I was almost a 100% convinced that what happened at Fatima was legitimate. I could believe that it all happened. Yet when I was researching this episode, I had to walk away saying that while something happened, I don't believe that God was behind it. My polemics and my arguments against the Catholic reverence of the Virgin Mary would have to be saved for another episode. The goal of this episode was to tackle specifically the instance of supposed marital apparitions. Some are better equipped to tackle this issue than I am, and many have made excellent points. But overall, we must remember something that looms over our heads about what happened at Fatima and many other places where marital apparitions took place. The only way we are justified by a holy and righteous God The only way we are saved from hell is by faith in Solus Christus, in Christ alone. Do not be deceived. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.